Welcome to Open Your Eyes, a podcast about empowering each of us with the perspective and tools to grow and change. You know, here at Open Your Eyes, we're deeply committed to the simple truth that you can't be what you can't see. Therefore, we all need to open our eyes to the possibilities and realities all around us. And one of those realities is that you are filled with immense potential. And sometimes, seeing things in a new way can unlock that potential. So today, wherever you are as you listen to this podcast, I hope you get a new perspective of how you can think and live better. And do us a huge favor. When you're done listening today, share this link with a friend. They may need to hear what we talk about today. Let's get started. Today, I'd like to talk about your efforts to improve and the simple fact that it is worth the wrestle. If you went to elementary school in the United States, at some point, you were required to learn the capital cities of all 50 states. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Except in Trivial Pursuit or some other trivia game, I don't think I've ever needed to know the capitals of the states. Interestingly, there are three states that most people don't know the state's capital city. The first is Vermont. Do you know the capital of Vermont? Yes, Montpelier. The next is Delaware. The capital? Dover. And the last is Wyoming. What's the capital of Wyoming? Cheyenne. Now, Wyoming is not a state many people know much about. The largest cities in Wyoming are Cheyenne, Casper, and Gillette. In fact, there are only 10 cities with populations over 10,000 people, and Wyoming is the 10th largest state in terms of geographical size. Nestled in the northwest part of the state, just miles from Yellowstone National Park is Powell, Wyoming. With a population of 6,400 people, Powell is the 14th largest city in the state. Now, located in Powell is the Northwest College of Wyoming. The Northwest Trappers are home to some of the region's best athletic teams. Men's and women's teams include basketball, rodeo, and soccer. The men's program also has wrestling. And in Wyoming, wrestling is a serious sport. Perhaps the most famous wrestler from Wyoming was Rulon Gardner, who won a gold medal in the 2000 Olympic Games. Gardner was a farm boy from Star Valley, Wyoming. He had eight brothers and sisters. And leading up to the Olympic Games, Gardner had won the NCAA Junior College Heavyweight Championship and then went to the University of Nebraska-Lincoln on scholarship. There, he earned All-American honors. But when he arrived in Sydney for the Olympics, no one gave Gardner a chance at winning. Why? Well, because Russian wrestler Alexander Carolin had been undefeated for 13 years and hadn't given up a single point in six years in any wrestling match. The Russian had 887 wins and one loss coming into the Olympics. He had nine world gold medals. The pre-Olympic story was that Carolyn had purchased a refrigerator for his apartment and he carried it home and then up eight flights of stairs on his back. He was nicknamed the Russian Bear. Now, three years earlier, Gardner had wrestled Carolyn, who picked up Gardner twice and threw him on his head, fracturing two vertebrae. And Gardner was a rather fat and unimpressive wrestler, so no one expected Gardner to make it to the quarterfinals. But he did. Everyone expected he would lose in the semifinals. He didn't. And he stepped onto the mat in the finals 
facing the Russian bear. The match was a crazy and controversial match. Gardner was defensive the entire time. During the second round, both were locked in a grip, and Carolyn released his grip first, giving Gardner one point. Gardner ended up winning one to nothing. He took on the Russian bear and won, something no one thought he could do. Well, Gardner would go on to win a bronze medal at the Olympics in 2004. And for many years, he was one of Wyoming's most famous wrestlers. Well, recently, four Wyoming wrestlers from Powell, Wyoming, had a wrestling match that made them famous. And it wasn't for wrestling the Russian bear, but a bear of another sorts. On October 15th, 21-year-old Brady Lowry and three of his wrestling teammates went into the Shoshone National Forest in Wyoming to do some shed hunting. Shed hunting is searching for antlers that have been naturally shed by deer, elk, or moose. It's a perfect activity for athletic young men who love the outdoors, and they learn. As they find the location of the antlers, they learn about the behavior of local herds. Well, towards the end of the day, on the way back to their truck, the four young men split up, and Brady and his friend Kendall took a longer four-mile route back to the truck. The other two wrestlers took the direct trail back. As they walked along, Brady soon noticed that there were bear signs all around, and he said, Kendall, there's a lot of fresh bear crap. Just then, a grizzly sow came crashing through the bushes and tackled Lowry head-on tossing him off a small rock outcropping and attacking his face. Now, since the year 2000, there have been almost 700 bear attacks on people. Grizzlies are the most aggressive bears. The most common cause of bear attacks is this. When you walk up on a mama grizzly, she will aggressively defend her territory and her cubs against anything she perceives as a threat. The typical grizzly weighs about 400 pounds. Its front claws measure about four inches and they have a bite force almost as strong as a shark. It's estimated that a grizzly's bite could crush a bowling ball. Not long ago, Craig Klatauer, a father of four, went missing while hiking in Montana. And like the wrestlers from Wyoming, Craig had ventured off trail in search of elk antlers. And when he didn't come home, the friend who was waiting for him back at camp alerted the authorities. And after a day of searching, the sheriff's department found Craig's remains. And when they did, it was obvious that he was attacked by a grizzly. Well, likewise, after the grizzly sow abounded from the bushes and attacked Lowry, Brady put up his arm in defense. The grizzly latched hold of his arm and tossed him around like a ragdoll. This broke Brady's arm in several places. And what struck him most was the speed at which the bear attacked. Lowry was carrying bear spray, but he never had a chance to retrieve it or use it. Next, the bear started pawing at Lowry, biting his shoulders and chest. Just then, Kendall came upon the scene, and he couldn't believe his eyes. And not knowing what else to do, he did what seemed to make the most sense. He grabbed the bear by its head and ripped it off of his teammate. This was an incredibly audacious move, something the bear probably didn't expect. But Lowry later said, We're brothers and we would go to hell and back for anyone on our team. Well, after Kendall's bold move, the bear turned his attention on Kendall. Kendall ran, but in only a few seconds, the bear caught him and dragged him off into the timber. Left to his injuries, 
Brady crawled to the top of the rise and called 911. He then called to his other two teammates who came running. He yelled, the bear has got Kendall and Kendall could be dead. A few minutes later, Kendall came walking out of the trees. He was drenched in blood. It looked to Lowry like Kendall's face was ripped off. The bear had gotten hold of Kendall's head and swung him around, biting and chomping on his face. Well, when the bear did that, Kendall started to play dead. He didn't move. Something, he says, probably saved his life. Well, when he walked out of the trees, the two teammates sprung into action, helping the two injured wrestlers off the mountain where they met the search and rescue team. Well, after several surgeries, the boys recovered and said they'll be back on the mountain soon. Now, I don't know when the last time was that you wrestled a bear. For most of us, not likely to have happened. But we all have wrestles in our life with people, purpose, and ourselves from time to time. And in some of those cases, you may feel like you are wrestling with a 400-pound bear who's tossing you wherever he wants to toss you. We grapple, don't we, with life and people. And the wrestles we have can and do cause us pain and suffering from time to time. You know, the definition of wrestle is a contest between two in which each endeavor to prevail upon the other. What else do we wrestle with? We all wrestle with feelings of insecurity, unworthiness, and lack of clarity. We wrestle mood, temptation, influence, and following the lead of others. And over my life, here's what I've learned. We all have a particular wrestle that is unique to us. It's as if heaven gave us a particular weakness, just like I believe we're given strengths. And that weakness and the wrestle that comes with it is given to us, I believe, with a purpose in mind. So, here's the question. What is your weakness? What is the one weakness that if you could prevail in that wrestle, you'd be happier in your life and more of who you are supposed to be? And if you're like me, you may have more than one wrestle, but all of us can identify one that may be hindering our life's course right now that is a wrestle for us in our life. Now, with that identified, let's talk about how to prevail in our wrestle with that weakness or struggle and what we can do to overcome. Because here's what I know. It is worth the wrestle. You know, one author recently observed that the wrestle with life is hard and it will sucker punch you in the gut. But it is beautiful and will give sunshine, rainbows, peace, and happiness if you will pay the price for peace and happiness. That's the thing, isn't it? The price to be paid. You know, too often in life, we want the easy solution. We want the quick fix. But the kind of wrestles we're talking about are most often won from the inside out. So how do you make inside out change? A real fundamental change that lets you win the wrestle in which you're engaged? Well, the funny thing is, inside out change doesn't start inside. It starts outside. As C.S. Lewis says, what you see and hear depends a great deal on where you are standing. So ask yourself, where do you stand each day? Do you stand in places that give you the right view of yourself to help you prevail? You know, the scripture says that to get closer to God, you must stand in holy places. Why? Because that's where you get a clearer view of Him. Likewise, when we're trying to overcome our wrestle— we must stand in places where we get a better view of ourselves and who we can truly be. For example, 
let's say that your wrestle right now is in your interaction with your children. You're too short, easy to get angry. You yell a little too much and you may not be the most positive person you want your children to have in their life. I get it. It's not easy to put up with a barrage of complaints, issues, and worries that come along with parenting. Perhaps your biggest wrestling match is at 5 p.m. You know, the time when the kids are hangry, you're tired, your spouse is tired, and you know you need to give kids a nutritious meal, but you haven't been to the store and your kids are being annoying and you have 10 things to do and no time to do it. This is the time when your weakness is manifest the most. So, in this instance, how do you stand in a better place? Well, to do so, you pay the price. You plan and organize how to make the environment for you and your children a better place that enables you to be the positive person you know you can be at 5 p.m. You know, I knew one parent who spent an hour on Saturday making three to four meals and putting them in the refrigerator or freezer for the upcoming week. That way, when five o'clock rolls around on any day, they stood in a better place. You see, it means we work on our environment first. We work from the outside in. I've learned that the physical environment in which we live does make a difference in how we feel. You'd be surprised how much a clean and tidy environment gives you strength. A clean house, car, even an order to the files and icons on your phone or computer screen can make a difference in how you feel. You know, one author talks about the tolerations we all have in our life. They're like a slow draw on a battery. And over time, they can rob you of your full energy. So, for example, a cracked screen on our phone that remains unrepaired actually drains energy from us. A clean and tidy environment does give us strength. So, where can you stand to proactively win your wrestle? Well, make an environmental change today so you stand in better places. Next. Another place to stand is with right people. I've learned in my life how you stand with people is a critically important part of winning your wrestle. When we're with people, how do we stand? Do you stand with positivity? Are you constructive? Do you seek to be a light in their life? You know, there's something, some energy that moves from the outside in when we engage in positive, constructive interactions with other people. The 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence were a truly unique group of people who stood together in the right moment for the right cause. And one of those signers was an extremely educated minister who was born in Gifford, Scotland. After earning his Doctorate of Divinity from St. Andrews, he was recruited by two friends, Benjamin Rush and Richard Stockton, to become the first president of the College of New Jersey. Stockton would later stand alongside his new recruit to sign the declaration, and Stockton would be captured and tortured by the British. His property was destroyed and his wealth stolen. He would sign the declaration a wealthy man, but die five years later penniless because he stood for something. Well, Stockton's recruit from Scotland was named John Witherspoon, and Witherspoon would feel compelled to serve and was elected Continental Congress just before the resolution for independence was brought forward. Now, in that Congress, shortly before the vote was to take place, he was having a conversation with another member who argued that the country was not yet ripe for such a declaration. Witherspoon responded, the country was not only ripe for the measure, 
but in danger of rotting for the want of it. He would stand and sign his name to the declaration. And after that, the British destroyed his college and he gave his life to rebuilding the college that was lost. And that college, which he rebuilt, would later change its name to Princeton University. And I believe what gave Witherspoon strength was the people he stood with, like Richard Stockton and Ben Franklin and Thomas Jefferson. Likewise, you and I can stand with people who improve our view and make us better. Much of John Witherspoon's influence trickled down through the generations. Like John, actress Reese Witherspoon, who claims to be his descendant, also stood in the right places as she climbed her way up and through Hollywood's labyrinth. Raised a Southern Episcopalian, she gained a sense of tradition and learned to be polite and not taking for granted what you have in life. At age 11, she took first place in the 10 state fair and loved to act and read books. In high school, she attended the all-girls school, Harpeth Hall School in Nashville. And while in school, at age 14, she attended an open casting call for a movie about a 14-year-old girl who falls in love with a 17-year-old boy. And she was cast in The Man on the Moon. And this led to several other roles alongside actors like Kiefer Sutherland and Mark Wahlberg. And this happened while she was still in high school. And despite her young success, Reese Witherspoon surprised everyone when she decided to go to college. She went to Stanford to study English literature. And I wonder if John Witherspoon's influence as the first president of Princeton University wasn't reaching down through the generations to inspire Reese to pursue her education. You see, who we stand with can and does make a difference in winning our wrestle in life and does influence generations to come. You know, another place we stand is our physical self, our body. Recently, a fascinating study was published in the Journal of Science. According to one report, more than 80 co-authors studied metabolism closely. The study included 6,500 people from all over the world. Now, metabolism is the work your cells do every day. And we have 37 million cells, and each is, according to one author, like a factory churning out everything you need to keep your body functioning. And while some calories get burned during exercise, most go to fueling the work your cells do throughout the day on an ongoing basis. The study itself proved some interesting things. Now, you've heard that our metabolism slows down as we age. Well, the research showed that our metabolism does slow between the ages of 1 and 20, but it doesn't slow between 20 and 60. Then, beginning at 60, it does begin to slow as we age. The study also showed that men do not have a better metabolism. They're just bigger and therefore burn more calories. But the study did show something very important. A cell of fat is not nearly as busy as a cell of muscle. Therefore, if you have more lean muscle mass, you'll burn more calories. The benefits of exercise are the muscle mass you maintain or build that keeps your metabolism burning stronger. The study also revealed that our metabolism burns more in the late afternoon and doesn't burn very much at night. This means we do have a metabolism clock. The study showed that we benefit from waking up 
and going to bed at the same time every day to maintain that clock. And we also benefit from eating at the same time each day. This boosts the efficiency of our body clock. And as you might expect, the research also showed that we shouldn't eat after a certain time at night. So knowing all of this, how do you help your body? Exercise, gain muscle, maintain your body clock, eat at the same times, and avoid eating after an early dinner. This helps us stand with a healthy body, which helps us win the wrestle with our weakness. Now, there are other places to stand, spiritual places. Now, whether you think of yourself as religious or not, standing in spiritual places helps you stay grounded. It reinforces values and helps you reflect on your purpose in life. In a study conducted by researchers from the Harvard School of Public Health, they noticed that religious service attendance is associated with healthier lives, including greater longevity, less depression and suicide, and less substance abuse. For many of the people they studied, spirituality is important and influences the key outcomes in illness, such as quality of life and medical care decision-making. Another study published in Health Psychology in 2020 proved a positive correlation between spirituality and psychological well-being. In other words, we gain strength to prevail in our wrestle in life when we stand in the right spiritual places. And there are other places to stand, including good financial standing, in nature, in joy, in harmony with your values, with family, with gratitude, and the list goes on. Here's the point. You can see that how we prevail has very much to do with where we stand. Now, we've looked at the outside in. Let's look at the inside out. How inside-out management can help us prevail in our wrestle with our weakness. You know, if you go back 100 years in history, do you know the leading cause of death? Well, the leading cause of death was not heart disease or cancer like it is today. 100 years ago, the leading causes of death included communicable diseases such as influenza and tuberculosis. The next leading causes of death were bacterial infections. And if you sustained an injury, bacterial infections, not the injuries themselves, caused more deaths. Why? Well, there were no antibiotics. Today, antibiotics help infections of all types, chest, urinary tract, and skin infections included. 100 years ago, these type of infections would often be fatal. So the discovery of antibiotics has changed our life literally from the inside out. The first major antibiotic that changed life in dramatic ways was penicillin. Early in his medical life, Alexander Fleming became interested in the natural bacterial action of the blood and in antiseptics. In his military career, he saw firsthand the need to prevent bacterial infection. And in 1928, he was working at St. Mary's Hospital studying viruses. He was planning to go on vacation with his family. And prior to leaving, he inoculated several culture plates with Staphylococcus, or Staph bacteria. And he kept the plates aside on one corner of the table away from direct sunlight to make space for his office mate to work in his absence. Upon his return, he examined the culture plates, and he found one with an open lid, and the culture, because it was out of the sunlight, was contaminated with mold. In the contaminated plate, 
the bacteria around the mold didn't grow, while those further away grew normally, meaning the mold killed the bacteria. He collected the original mold and culture plates, and after four days, he found that the plates had grown to large colonies of the mold, and he repeated the experiment with the same bacteria-killing results. He concluded that the mold was releasing a substance that was inhibiting bacterial growth, and he produced the culture broth of the mold. And he found that this juice from the mold could kill only specific bacteria. For example, staphylococcus and diphtheria were easily killed, but there was no effect on typhoid and influenza. And he called this juice penicillin. Later, scientists concluded that the mold spores coming into Fleming's room came there through the air vent from the lab below. Well, numerous scientists would work on his discovery. They would help to refine it, ensure its safety, modify it for mass production, and made other enhancements. And penicillin would change the world. The first patient to receive penicillin was successfully treated for strep in 1942. And penicillin dramatically reduced the number of deaths and amputations of troops during World War II, and by the time World War II ended, U.S. companies were making 650 billion units a month. To date, penicillin has become the most widely used antibiotic in the world. Now, Fleming would later say, one sometimes finds what one is not looking for. When I woke up just after dawn on September 28, 1928, I certainly didn't plan to revolutionize all medicine by discovering the world's first antibiotic or bacteria killer. But what most people realize is that, yes, there was some luck in Fleming's discovery, but Fleming was in pursuit of an antibiotic. He had given his life to it. The dishes were full of bacteria because Fleming was working on a solution. And if the dishes were not out and his attention not on a solution, the mold would have never been noticed and his discovery would have been lost. It was his attention his commitment to the wrestle at hand that enabled the discovery to happen. The same goes for you and me. When we're working on the inside of us, when we're seeking to improve, when we're seeking an answer of how to win our wrestle to improve our weakness, miracles can and do happen. Things we may not usually notice, we notice. And we discover things about ourselves we didn't know before. By paying attention to our wrestle and seeking answers and help, we open ourselves up to the solutions that may come into our lives. When we work on our insides, on who we are, and when we humbly seek answers to our weaknesses, I've seen we find answers. It is the person who is seeking who finds. In the Harry Potter series, a seeker is a position in the wizarding sport of Quidditch. And there is one seeker per team. And the goal of seeker is to catch the golden snitch. And the game doesn't end until the seeker catches the snitch. Seekers are generally the smallest and lightest players on the team. And there's a certain glamour attached to playing as a seeker. And J.K. Rowling said that Quidditch is a representation of the human condition. (laughs) I agree. There is just something powerful when you decide to seek. Let me use this analogy. If you were told that next Saturday, you'd be taken to the major basketball stadium near your hometown, 
and there would be a 20 by 20 cage placed inside that stadium. And you will be placed inside the cage with thousands of people watching, and you will be required to wrestle a large alligator in that cage and win. What would you do? Well, I bet you would read books, ask questions, seek help, seek advice, seek solutions from videos of those who had wrestled alligators before. And when you did, you would learn that you need to climb on the back of the alligator, get your weight on his back, then cover his eyes with your hands, then carefully move your hand forward over his snout and pull his head back. And in that position, the alligator is unable to open his mouth. Likewise, if you're going to wrestle your weaknesses, you might read books, ask questions, seek help, seek advice, seek solutions from videos of those who have wrestled something similar in their life. And soon your seeking will turn to your good. You know, it's also helpful to ask what you're wrestling for. When you work hard and pay the price and give what you have and fully seek to work on your weaknesses, what do you get? Strength. That weakness can and often does become a strength. The very thing you didn't think you could do turns and becomes the thing you are most capable at doing. It is worth the wrestle. Now I have a friend named Jake, and Jake lost his sight to cancer when he was 13 years old. And when anyone asks Jake about what it's like to lose his sight, he always answers that it wasn't what he lost that changed him. It's what he found. He found greater strength in other areas of his life, and he found more of himself as a result. Jake often quotes the scripture from Jeremiah 29.11, which says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. For Jake, it's been worth a wrestle. He golfs without sight remarkably well. He was a long snapper in college for the USC football team, and he now runs a successful business. Is it worth the wrestle? Yes. Likewise, you and I may have lost a few things because we have been given a weakness, but they can be recovered and replaced and reinforced if we will work from the outside in and the inside out. If we will remain committed to the bear or alligator or weakness or whatever opponent is stepping into the arena against us, we can prevail. So, as we end today, remember, like our Wyoming wrestlers, take on the beast that is in front of you. Make the change from the outside in. Change your environment. When you're with people, be the right kind of person. Pay attention to your health. Seek to stand in good and holy places and let your environment help you with your wrestle. Then, work from the inside out. Like Fleming's discovery, get committed to learning all you can to overcome your weakness. If you are a seeker, sooner or later, you will learn all you need to grapple with life's alligator. And remember, it is worth the wrestle. Most of all, thanks for being here today. And don't forget to share this podcast with a friend and join us next week for another podcast as we learn to open our eyes to who and what we can become.